Hi, this is Against Everyone with Connor Habib, a podcast featuring my conversations with countercultural figures and presenting complex spiritual, philosophical, and political ideas in an engaging and accessible way. Well, friends, I'm going to start this episode with Pilar Lesko in a minute, but first let me sort of lead up and uh, talk about some reasons why I had Pilar on, who she is a bit, but also something profound that's been happening in the world. Um, you know, I think something that people aren't talking about enough with a whole past year and a half uh, or so is <clears throat> not the huge portal that we've gone through when we look out into the world and see how things have changed, um, but rather the inner event of what has happened. Because the inner event is intractable. There's no going back to normal, not just because of digital currency or lines at the supermarket or even, I don't know, some sinister conglomerate of people. Those things are worth considering, but I want to pay attention to the massive rearrangement that's happened inwardly for so many. We've thought new thoughts. We've watched the weather of new feelings within us. We found new things available to us and through us. We've experienced new images in our psyche, had new conversations with friends that sparked new conversations within ourselves. So, so much has been going on within us and that doesn't go away ever. Even if we had some sort of civil rights struggle around whether or not we want to move to a digital currency, for example, or whatever. The, the standard ones, vaccine passports, or uh, I don't know, whatever those other ones are. Um, <laughs> even we would have like struggles over those. Those could rise and fall. Those could come and go. We would find tactics of resistance or ways to support these things that we wanted or whatever. But the inner events have changed us totally. But this has been going on for a while. There's been a lot of lead up to this. I mean, especially, you know, for a lot of people in America uh, for the past four or five years uh, in the U.S., I should say, there's been a lot happening there. But everywhere, really, there's been a kind of gathering. It's just that the past year and a half has been totally globalized. The globalized consciousness of an event within consciousness. Anyway, I think that that might make me sound a little wishy-washy. Let me keep talking. One of the most profound but under-discussed aspects of what's happening in that event is the personalization, not just of spirituality, but of religion itself. The new understanding that I see is one that intersects, overlaps, and transmutes theology, theurgy, magic, uh, occultism, religion, all this, not through collective struggle, but through individuation. And this is happening for so many of us that we're all separate together. We're all experiencing the parallel unfolding of separateness in our religious, spiritual, theological, metaphysical, phenomenological lives. And that unfolding is leading to connection. 
because I'm going through it on my own and I see you're going through it on your own and I see another person going through it on their own and it, we're all sort of seeking the kinds of language that fits what we're going through. We're seeking the ways to express the actual experience rather than just share through some sort of objective container. We're trying to express for real what's happening. And that brings so much unknown. I mean, we, we can't just rely on the collective to carry us anymore. Um, we can't just reach for collective words around the spirit. And we can't also find pre much precedent, uh, even though we want to, because it's individual, individuated. Economic systems are about the breaks and the flows and currencies that are meant to affect all of us. And political systems are meant to be the mediators between two or more people engaged in understanding what rights are and how they're equally delivered. But culture is now, culture is individual. And that's what's happening. When I say spirituality, in some ways I really mean culture and I mean individuality. And that's what I mean also by religion in a sense. So many people are striving for collective culture, but it can't work since collective fact-making has broken down. Collective understanding has broken down. We've turned ourselves towards experience. We turned ourselves towards what is my own understanding? What is my own feeling? So even as there may be, well, there are real spiritual truths, they're being refracted through us in a new way. We're not just sort of accreting them like a crystal on the outside. They're actually coming through us. Um, and they're coming through as real light, sure, but they're also coming through as darkness. Like the prism that we are can't seem to turn all the way. Um, some of the faces of the prism that we are, are are blocked. So we live with an aspect of unknowingness, a face of unknowingness. One response that I've found um, that <laughs> I've had to keep myself in check about, and maybe this will <laughs> resonate with you guys too, is that we try to create signs to understand. We look to make signs, symbols, all that kind of stuff. So like, you could be walking down the street and see a dead bird and you'd be like, oh my gosh, the dead bird represents this and this and this and this. Or um, maybe you'll hear a scrap of a song or maybe you'll see a color or someone will say something to you later in the day and you'll pick out that one word or you'll see a sign post on an actual sign or whatever. And it's not that none of those ever have value, but I feel myself as well as many others grasping to make signs, to um, interject uh, with this unknowingness, this not knowingness, this darkness um, that is necessary because of the individuation of spirituality, of religion, of metaphysics, blah, 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 blah. Right? So we're making signs, but when we do that, we lose sight of the actual signs that are delivered in both darkness and through light. So a way to say this, and I say this in the episode, we talk about this a little bit, is you don't have to create signs right now. So much is coming through us. You don't have to create signs. You just have to actually see the ones that show up. How do you know the difference? Well, you know the difference between forcing and really just receiving. It's not always easy to parse, especially when you've been trying to make meaning your whole life. But... You can understand what is given in freedom 
and you allowing yourself freedom and what is given in compassion and you allowing yourself compassion and directing freedom outward and compassion outward and then you receive the message versus I'm going to turn this into a sign, this is a sign, I'm going to try to read all the signs. So, okay, this episode, <laughs> Pilar, let's go. Pilar is, that I don't know, a uh, spiritual doer? Um, I don't want to say a teacher and I don't want to say a worker because those terms seem really outdated in the light of what she's doing. Um, I came to Pilar's work. My sister sent me an email with her stuff. And eventually my sister says something like, I, I, this person is so crazy that I think it must be absolutely correct. And, I'm, <laughs> and I read it. And I was like, yes, it it's true. You can sense it. Pilar uses her own language instead of you know, borrowing language from anybody else. She's following this principle and living up to it and making worthy of this principle of the individuated spirituality. So she's trying to use her own language for the sake of integrity. So sometimes it comes across as really weird. And 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 some of it has this kind of mechanic tone, which is really interesting to me too. Loops, timelines, hooks, chords, um, cheat codes. But in her, when you hear it, you hear uh, a redemption of the mechanistic world. Not to let it stay, but to let it find its truer form. So her language is opening up rather than driving us deeper into the merely subnatural or into subnature. It's opening us up. I took her class up level. So just so you know, she offers courses and she has a great newsletter and so on and so forth. <laughs> And so, uh, you know, sometimes good to front load what the person actually does. Um, and <clears throat> I took her course up level and um, I suddenly was listening or I, I found myself listening to a new pathway of um, spirituality being formed. You can hear it being formed as she speaks. So... Um, if you want to look more into her stuff and the courses and stuff, go to pilarlesco.com. But anyway, it was not a pathway which she was creating that was asking me to replace my pathway with hers or adopt her language or even certainly agree with everything, but rather it was encouraging me to understand my own and to create my own language and find the integrity in my own language. I recorded this episode with Pilar on the day of the solar eclipse, just as St. John's tide approached, and the date was perfect for its timing. Um, St. John's tide and the eclipse both have this darkness-light interchange. And I, I'd just gone through some absolute intensity a few weeks before. I mean absolute intensity. And we talk about that in the episode, and actually so had Pilar. When Pilar talks about this thing, timelines, I knew that in that span of that week that I had gone through with the intensity, I jumped from one timeline to the next in the span of a week. Now, I'm not going to tell you what timelines are right off the bat because it's good to just sort of listen and get into the groove of the conversation and then we kind of break it down later. But I, I just want to sort of leave that there and say I felt the intensity because I was moving from one to the next. Sometimes when great change comes, you can feel even more acutely the aspects of yourself that are stuck in the old, the old timelines, 
So you can achieve something great. You can create a great work of art. You can get a new partner. You can have a breakthrough in your understanding of yourself. You can, I don't know, get accepted into a society or something. I don't know. But suddenly you feel liberated, but you also notice how, since you have more light, there are a ton of knots or wounds or tears in yourself that are not yet untied or healed or uh, mended. The parts of you living in old layers of what was real, old uh, timelines, old levels, you can see them and you want to bring them up with you or dissolve them or heal or whatever you want to do. Um, and that's something Pilar helps with. So even as the kind of movement through development, spiritual development is happening, um, also you'll see all the things that are still sort of shitty and gross and going <laughs> going on in you. And you're going to want to work with those as well. And you're going to be like, damn it, I just got this thing. Why am I worrying about the old versions of myself, the stuck versions of myself? Because you know how good it feels to have moved on. And you know that you can't stop moving. So you've got to remove the hooks and heal the holes where the loop was coming through, to use Pilar's lingo. And while you're doing that, the capacity of change has guided you. So to paraphrase Rudolf Steiner, you can look to yourself and, and you can see that that change or the, the, the process of change in the darkness even and in the light has given you strength to be yourself, brightening and enlivening the light within you and expressing the warmth from your own soul streaming through you. So you're probably on board with some of what I said and some of you are like, what the fuck are you talking about? But that's great. This is a very friendly conversation. So even though we go off the deep end sometimes, it's still very friendly. We laugh a lot. We talk about parrots and dancing and, you know, whatever. And, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's great. We, we got along just fine. And I, I loved recording this episode with Pilar Lesko. This is the part of the show where I usually tell you to sign up for my Patreon. And I will give you the address, patreon.com forward slash Connor Habib. And I will say that the show is supported by listeners. Um, I want everybody to feel free to contribute to the things that matter to them. So I'm just going to leave it there. Okay. So that's it. Let's start this episode with Pilar Lesko. Here we go. Hey everybody, it's Against Everyone with Connor Habib, and I'm very excited to finally be talking with you, Pilar Lesko. Hello. Hi. Thank <laughs> you for having me. Yes. Um, so we're going to just go right into it. It is the solar <laughs> eclipse today, um, and it's St. John's Tide, and we just there's a lot of stuff going on about not knowingness about occlusion and about the things that that gives us and the necessity of it. And um, I have some of my own stories to tell around this time, but I'm actually wondering um, if you're experiencing mm -hmm. 
the intensity and the value of like a not knowingness or a lesson of the dark. I don't mean dark like bad. I just mean of dark, you know, not knowing versus the the illumination of the light, which is something that's going on right now. If you're having experience of that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So not knowing is like a, a theme of my life. Um, I feel that way all the time. So I would say that for, for me right now, personally, the, yes, I do feel there is a greater emphasis around like we're in the midst of this um, simultaneous death, rebirth, reconstruction, and it's, it's all happening at once. Um, and the not knowing part for me personally is just more of the same. And anytime I'm in a space of like, oh, I don't know what's next. Like, I'll always tell people, um, and I know this bothers people. Like, if you listen to me talk on a podcast or teach like six months to a year ago, I can probably come on and listen to myself and argue against most of what I'm saying and why I think differently now. Mm -hmm. Um, So I like not knowing. And I, I like having everything I thought get all jumbled up and kind of recycled. Um, for the collective, it, it, it's pretty rough out there. It's pretty rough out there. I think psychological and psychic warfare is at an all-time high. And I think that's making people who are still very enmeshed with that even more confused. What, what's, a, what's a version What's a version of the psychological warfare that you're thinking? Okay, I have a great one. Okay, good. <laughs> Are you familiar with what's going on with GameStop right now? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so are you familiar with the how everybody is gathering in subreddits to to discuss? Yeah, I mean, maybe you want to just explain that for the audience, like two sentences if you can. I'll link to it in the show notes, but... Two sentences? Okay. okay or more. There, it's, it's actually very complex when you like fully break it down. And I don't think I would be able to do that in a way that's like rational. I can't explain energetically though. We're at this time where because of a few people who sort of paid attention to and cracked the broken system that is Wall Street and stocks and hedge funds, um, there's been this ongoing opportunity to buy GameStop stocks to the point where at a certain point, if everything goes as planned and if like Darth Vader and all the demonic forces don't come in and like ruin it, then all of the hedge funds um, are going to have to release trillions of dollars into the economy or into the stock market to people, which would then go into the economy. And and this has been an ongoing thing, actually, since like 2018, 2019. It's just starting to really gain traction and come to a head. And it all has to do with how corrupt, um, how, how the stock market and the financial system themselves are controlled by the elite. Um, and all those veils are dropping. So all the people who are completely aware of what's going on and who have invested in GameStop stocks are co- like gathering in these subreddits. The hedge fund people 
are flooding the subreddits with bots and with they're they're hiring teams of people to come in and try and sway everyone to sell their GameStop stocks. And when my partner shows me what's going on, the amount of energy they're putting in mm -hmm. to like this psychological warfare is insane. And that's just one little fractal of mm -hmm. what's going on in the collective. But it's such an important one because you can just see like something really big is at stake here mm. because they're doing everything they can to sway these people who I think for the first time in a long time, we have such a large group of people in there that know exactly what's going on and are like, that's a bot. That's not real. Remove mm. this guy from the subreddit. Right. Does, and so, that, I mean, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. And so like really interestingly, you know, it also like what happens beyond just the, that struggle for the, the current or the currency is also that people are becoming um, real experts in determining, pointing out and distinguishing truth from lie, you know? And so it's actually becoming a training ground <laughs> unwittingly, you know, like for the people that are sort of flooding that area. I mean, I know it was just something I was thinking about a lot with, I don't know, like just the old stuff about fake news and then all the bots and stuff on, on social media where like that was, teaching us something about truth and how it's made and, you know, and, and how it was always, and that was always true, but it also really started to serve as a training ground for discernment and also how I'm going to, um, like the question became not, is this fact true, but are, are you responding to this morally? Like, are you responding to this with an ethical sense that you've generated out of yourself and the way that you've lived your life and the spiritual text that is how you've lived this whole time? And so I think that it's just, it's so interesting. It's like you pull on, you pull on this one thread and there are like 8 million things just in, <laughs> just in the subreddit, you know, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So that's a good one for psychological warfare. I mean, I think, I think also like, do you sense... I mean, I don't know if this has anything to do with the eclipse, but I mean, I'm also sensing like, you know, so, so Pilar, for people that are new to her work, there's a lot of stuff about timelines and we'll, we'll talk about what timelines <laughs> are a little bit um, later and like, and levels and layers, but like something I've been noticing is that that moving from one layer to the next, one layer to the next, one layer to the next, like it's happening. I mean, it's happening for everybody, but when you notice it happening, like I just had, I just got kicked out from one level to the next in a week, in a week, mm -hmm. like, and it was all laid out and it was the most painful fucking thing I've ever experienced in my life. And yet I know that I want to live in a world where I can see moving from one level to the next. And I wanted what was in that next level. So like, mm -hmm. I could see like, fuck it's real. And like the passage from not knowing if it was real to absolute confirmation of its reality, like really hurt and sucked during that week, but it was only a week. But I'm wondering mm -hmm. if you're experiencing like, is it like a low hum of people like <laughs> going through that process very slowly? Like are lots of people getting that happening in a week, a day, whatever it is, or is it just mm -hmm. like a slow boil and that's why it's so hard for people and that maybe they need the tool to see, Oh, so they can make it happen more quickly, even though it'd be more painful. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it makes the question makes sense. It's, um, 
So yes to all of that. And it's always subject to change Mm. because you could have someone who for the first part of their incarnation is moving along very slowly. And they could have set up a contract of like, Hey, when I turn 35, um, I want to have this experience where this aspect of my soul actually taps out and this other one that's been waiting to come in taps in and they do the like baton pass and that new, that, that other aspect Mm -hmm. of the soul that hadn't previously incarnated might drop in and they might download like levels of consciousness that for the prior 35 years they had not been experiencing. And then that person might start up leveling really rapidly. And I see this, I've seen stories like this before, Mm. and that's just one way it can work. Um, So nothing's off the table. It's why like, I, I try to never put someone in a box of like, well, they just move really slow and they're just here to learn this one thing. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) cause it's like, That could all change in a moment. Um, So the second part of your question, what I have found um, through and through is that you can't, a lot of people, like timeline work is really sexy in the spiritual world. It's like cool. Like people want to do it because they want to get on that cool timeline where they have everything they want. (laughs) And it's not everyone, but it is one of those things that people's like unintegrated ego kind of likes to grab at. And what I have found for most people is that when you're focused on your own inner liberation, your up-leveling process or your ability to navigate timelines happens very, it's like a natural byproduct mm-hmm. um, of being focused on that. Whereas I've seen people who are like, well, I just want a timeline jump but then their life in their current timeline is a mess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I, I mean, and then again, and again, just, you know, like um, I think something that you said that was really profound to me was, I mean, it's so simple, but all oft, often missed, which is just like, just fucking clean up your field. Like you don't have to like will <laughs> at it all the time. You don't have to just, I'm going at this. I'm going to try to change this with the will. The will is, I mean, it's powerful, but it's, it's like an old magic tool. Like in some ways, uh, uh, not really appropriate anymore. I mean, for some people it is, but like not entirely appropriate anymore when it's more like, actually money, like I could be having money problems my whole life and like, I'm going at them directly. This is the example, probably one of the examples you bring up the most, but I could be going at it directly, trying to manifest the money, all that kind of stuff. And like, honestly, like the thing that works is when I actually stop giving effort to it, you know, and, and, and I actually just sort of focus on, okay, what's here, what's around me, what's in me, let me do that. So like, there's the, um, Another way I have explaining that is there's the um, the magician card in the tarot deck, um, Valentin Tomberg, this Catholic um, Catholic anthroposophist. So he left Rudolf Steiner's circle and then converted to Catholicism, which is totally strange. Mm-hmm. But he said like he's he's great. But he wrote this book called Meditations on the Tarot, and he says the thing that characterizes the magician is concentration without effort, and that is the cleaning of the field uh, as far as I'm concerned away from me. So that's part of what I'm picking up on what you're saying. It's like, um, rather than, rather than I'm, I'm actually not sure. Wait, I'm actually not sure I got to this point, but whatever. I was just led here by ease to say this. 
<laughs> but like rather than trying to sort of like make things happen, will them into being all that kind of stuff, you'll just the the things will jump in. And a lot of those have been pre-set up by you um before you before you got here. And so trying to get to that, I've got everything I want, you know, you know, um pimp my crib timeline is not exactly like <laughs> it's not um too often that's actually a product of the will and the will is still stuck on all these other sort of as you would say maybe like artificial timelines or you know um where the will force is coming from is something that we don't really need to access quite so much anymore yes yes i i agree with everything you said um i think i think if there were to be an evolution of like the lowercase will being the primary force in magic, it would be lowercase will syncing up with uppercase divine will and sort of working as a team. Mm -hmm. And that's like just another way to sort of describe what you said, because um, when you're so focused on what lowercase will thinks it wants, you could actually be focused on what false aspects of you think they want that didn't even come from your essence. It could be something you inherited from your ancestors. It could be something you picked up from social media. It, it could come from <clears throat> so many different places. Um, and that can also be an endless loop of what is lowercase will want today. Whereas like the way I kind of see it is like you take your hands off the wheel, but you're still in the car. Like you're still being driven somewhere, but you're not so focused on, I need to get here. Um, and yes, that just ties in with like, I just call it, and this, I did not make this up. I, this is probably in every like ancient esoteric text. And it's just learning to interact with ourselves and life exactly as they are. And to mm -hmm. me right now, that's like a high skill, mm -hmm. um, to be able to look and say, this is exactly what's going on with me. This is exactly what's going on in the world. What are my reactions? Where am I getting hooked? What is me? What isn't me? And, and gathering all of your energy from that place. And that's how you actually start to change. Right, right. Yeah. And so I'm maybe, I don't know if you're noticing this with your clients or not, but one of the things I've been noticing in my own life is that I've had to do a lot of things twice. So um, right now, like I'll do something and then I'll do the exact same thing again, maybe three times, but often it's just twice. And the second time I do it, I've redeemed it with a different level of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, it's a completely different act, even though outwardly it looks exactly the same. And I, and I, I have been reflecting on that since coming to what you do and just thinking, I think that this is because actually the timelines have to overlap in a way that there's like, this becomes a stare to the timeline. So it's not this abrupt thing where um, if I, if this makes sense, it's like, so I do it and then I do it again. And the second time I do it, I've actually moved to a different sort of layer. But um, if I had done it and it just happened once, it would have been too abrupt and shocking. So <laughs> the difference between the two. So I actually need to create my own repetition to ease the transition mm -hmm. in or something like that. Is the thing you're doing, like, give me an example of what a thing you're doing would be. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to be, I, I've got to be a little vague for the purposes mm -hmm. of this, but I think I can do. So I was walking around the neighborhood in Dublin, like completely despondent one day. Um, totally, totally like 
um, trying to, and this is something maybe we can talk about a little more, like make signs, like come up with like, what's happening? Why is this shit happening to me? Blah, 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 blah. Like going through, like, I would see, like, it could have been anything. Like I would have seen like a, seen like a daisy on the sidewalk and be like the fallen flower on the sidewalk, you know, like crazy making, like trying to turn everything into something. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, okay, great. So that happened. Then the next day, this is completely bizarre. I walked outside of my house because I was going to take another one of those walks. And outside my door, there was a cocktail sitting on the sidewalk looking up at me like a parrot. And I was like, what? And so I kneeled down and it went up my finger onto my shoulder. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? So I, I posted a thing on Twitter that was like, found this bird. Is it anybody's? Someone responded. Yes. I saw signs for that all around this neighborhood, which was the neighborhood I was walking in the day before. So I literally went back the next, like that day in that neighborhood looking for signs, but it was in service to the owner of the bird. And so all these revelations just came up and I was like, holy shit, this is why I'm here. So it it had a sense of humor. I was literally walking around the neighborhood looking for literal signs the next day. But because Mm -hmm. there was this dimension of offering it up to somebody and being in communion with something else, like the real revelation showed up. Okay, that's the coolest example ever. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to say like, I had to set a boundary, which is like usually mine. Like I had to set six boundaries. Um. A tropical okay. bird. It all always tropical birds. <laughs> yeah. So so I actually I've actually never I love how you just described it with the stairs. I think I've there's infinite ways we could explain this, but yes, um what I have found is that if something is a big part of your soul's curriculum in this lifetime, um, and curriculum can change too, you can complete curriculum. You're going to have to probably do that thing a lot. And when you're, let's look at timelines, when you are like making a timeline shift organically and something comes up multiple times, I don't believe that there is a greater force testing us. I believe that we set up initiations for ourselves and we're like in communion with our higher aspects. And we're like, hey, make me do this three times. Because if I only do it once, I'm not going to fully get it. Um, But to me, when something shows up like boom, 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 that's a really good sign. Mm. It's like energy is moving. You're getting a chance to see how you're a different person in each setting um, in Mm. rapid, like rapid time. And yeah, yeah, to me, that means like things are getting ready to change. And sometimes what will happen with me is there will be simultaneous new timeline peaks and old timeline pulls Mm. of like, are you sure you don't want to come back to doing things this way? And then like simultaneous, I'm getting a look into here's what's possible. If Uh, if you keep going, if you keep showing up. Yeah. That's so important because like, since that, like I just had, I had a really, really, really dark like week a few weeks ago. I mean, it was probably one of the most intense weeks of my life. And when I got through it and it was pretty miraculous as well, that's when the thing with the bird happened and there were all sorts of strange, miraculous things that week. But now that I'm on the other side of it, I I'm calling it the other side, but still like 
there's still these things hooked in, you know, there's still these hooks there to the old thing. And so it's like, you burst through and you're like, I've made it here. I am. Everything's changed. And then you're like, what the fuck is all this shit still on me? Why are you still here? I learned the lesson, but it's it. But, but I think the really beautiful moments are like when you're talking about when it's dual dual but it, it, mm-hmm. there's a continuity of direction between the old and the new like you get the glimpse of the new thing as you feel the old thing but a lot of times i still actually don't get a glimpse of the new thing like i still i'm just like i know it like there's a level of me that absolutely knows it um and i can intellectualize it so there's that level of me that knows it as well but it's still just like the pieces of the old thing where i'm like what did i miss and so then i try to just clean my field as you say but i but but i don't or, or, or heal the holes in it or whatever yeah exactly exactly <laughs> I, I i think of it in terms of like untying things that's what i've been saying to people i'm just like untie 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 mm-hmm. you know because there are all these knots but so so maybe maybe like we can talk about that for a second because it doesn't always come after you get through first of all there's still a lot of just hooks but then second of all like you don't always get the dual or the continuous vision when you get the the old hook sort of sunk into you mm-hmm. well okay the first thing i want to say i think you need a parrot <laughs> i really do i feel like as soon as you brought up the parrot now all i'm seeing is like parrots around you and how you actually have like very parrot energy not in a not in like a bad parrot way and like an awesome like your hat has a palm tree on oh, it and right. you're dressed in parrot colors <laughs> <laughs> thank you for admiring my plumage keep going <laughs> um okay so you 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 up level or you shift and then you're like wow there's still all this stuff um well, there's a number of things there. It's like one is, and this, I actually think this is really cool. And before I even go into this, like a cheat code, if you're not someone who leans towards disassociation, I don't recommend this for people who do, is just, um, I'll look at everything as intel. Like inf- I'm getting neutral information. And then once I scan the intel, then I can go into like, is there emotion here? Is there something like deeply connected to a wound here? But I'll just be like, okay, here's the information I'm getting. Here's the intel. And now I'm going to like work with that. Mm -hmm. So when you shift, um, something that's really cool is you now have greater capacity and bandwidth to see parts of yourself that you couldn't on the other level or on the other timeline. And you can see them in new ways and you can notice new things about them. So it's not really the same old mm. baggage. It's it's maybe it's some of that same stuff, but you now have like a much fresher perspective on it and more capacity to work with it. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, um, <clears throat> I really don't think that that's how it has to go forever. Um I definitely have things where I'm like, oh, here's this thing again that's been with me as long as I can remember. Um, But I also look back at just a year or two years ago and I'm like, wow, I have so much more space. Like I always tell myself, like, look at who you were 
like take who you were a year ago, put that person in your current reality and think about all the things that would be like really fucking with them Mm -hmm. and how like that's not actually happening to you now. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, you six months ago in your current reality would be messed up. Um, But you now is like, okay, I got this. So it's, I don't want to say like, yeah, everything goes away because I don't think that's part of incarnating, but I definitely think it gets more spacious, easier to work with. You get more refined. Um, I also have been ruthlessly at this for like the better part of the last decade. Mm -hmm. And it's like my main occupation is like my (laughs) clearness and my sovereignty. Um, So I am not always like the best example. Um, Right. Well, and I, and I am simultaneously because I think I can, I show people like, look, it, it doesn't have to be um, so difficult all the time. Um, With the dual timeline thing, what was your question there? Uh, No, I don't think there was one. I think that that was the, Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you got it. I mean, I was, I I was just thinking, I was thinking when you were talking about, like, I had this anthropologist, David Graver on, and he wrote this book, um, Fragments of an Anarchist Anthropology. And in it, he says, like, you know, when people look at certain indigenous tribes that don't have warfare and have like a more egalitarian society, what they don't realize is that actually a lot of those people are in a state of constant spiritual warfare, like fending off like the beings that are coming at them, right? So the movement, the difficulty moves into somewhere else and it's it's better than the absolute obliteration of the body through warfare and torture and all because the spiritual warfare would still be happening even if that level was going right but it's like there is something happening so when you say oh it's basically been my job for 10 years it's like that's it you know (laughs) like i feel so that sentiment i just felt like so understood (laughs) (laughs) no that I love that. It's so true. You have more capacity to actually be like working with layers of self and reality that previously you couldn't because you were worried about paying rent or you were stuck in a really shitty relationship. Like the game gets bigger and a lot more interesting. Um, Yeah. You're not just like, I mean, I am like a professional relaxer. It's like one of my main things I I love to do, but I'm also like, um, my teachers will always tell me like, you're doing like 500 things all the time Mm. energetically. Like you need to like, they're always like, you need to rest more. And I'm like, that's pretty much all I do. And they're like, it's because you have so much going on energetically. Nobody sees that though. They just see me sitting there like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, that was she was just sitting there with a smile on her face since this is audio um she wasn't doing something absolutely bonkers um <laughs> but yeah i mean i think also so, okay so let me just for the sake of the audience like i haven't tried to define like timelines or hooks or any of those things yet because one yeah. because when i came to your when I came to what you were doing, basically my sister sent me an email and she was like, this person is so crazy that the, it must be true. And I was like, okay, great. <laughs> and so I read <laughs> and I read it without any like of the background of the language. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is absolutely correct. And and so I want to, I want to give people a chance to just have the intuitive response to what we're saying before mm-hmm. we define it. But I do want to back up and sort of 
you know, maybe go through what some of these terms are a little bit because I think they're mm-hmm. helpful. And so like one of the things I'll say this, and then you can just sort of run with it, like to talk about timelines. Like I, I reached for this guy, Neville Goddard, who he basically mm-hmm. said like, look, we're born into a set of completely predetermined circumstances. And the only thing that's up to us is like, who we are in our development. And if we develop in a certain way, then we move to a new layer of completely predetermined circumstances. And we keep doing that and doing that and it can happen all the time. And we can just keep moving and moving and moving. And so actually everything is determined, but also completely changeable by a real act or exertion of freedom, you know? And so I think that's kind of how I understand it, but I know it's more complex than that as well, um, because you're talking about it in a sort of multi-dimensional. It's not just like, I'm on the timeline where I get a Camaro. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it's something else. Like there's a lot of other, there's a lot of other layers there. So um, yeah, why don't you take it from there? So the way Neville Goddard explained it is actually, again, this is one of those things we could break down so many ways. There's not the one way it works. I actually love that explanation because it's very like simple and neat. Mm -hmm. Um, I, so the, the part of me that created up level that, that subsection of like my guides who are higher aspects of me, they're insane. Um, they're like quantum. They're like, they all have like Albert Einstein hair and they're all like, and there's like steam coming out of their heads. And they're like... So that was also a little interest. That was like kind of shocking for me too, of like, oh, we're talking like this. Oh, you want me to explain it this way? Mm. Um, and that way it was explained was almost like code because a lot of people didn't really get it. They just felt like a lightning kind of energy of like, this feels true. Mm-hmm. So that is that is one way to look at it. The way it was explained there, and I'm going to like simplify this a little and bring in some of my more like grounded understanding. You can, I've heard people break down timelines through quantum um, physics, quantum physics. And I'm like, okay, that didn't make sense. Because it that part of it I'm like I know that that this is actually the scientific way to explain it and I could never do it that way Mm -hmm. um the way I look at them really simply is first of all we're in a universe with dimensions I'm not really going to get into those because to be honest the dimension conversation has kind of been hijacked and turned into this very weird thing Mm -hmm. but there are definitely dimensions to this universe within those dimensions there are timelines And it's said that there are less timelines in denser dimensions. I don't necessarily know if I agree with that. But when I look Mm -hmm. out at the world and I look at the denser levels of consciousness, it does kind of seem like we got a lot of the same going on. Mm -hmm. We have conservatives. We have liberals. We have something else. See, like you can kind of do you see how like at the quote lower levels and I don't like using lower and higher, but I have to for this there's almost like less dispersion in consciousness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would I would almost say like, there's actually more like timelines there in the density. It's just that like the response to them has been 
uh, uniform. So there's some sort yeah. of gravity that pulls them all in. I mean, it's just the same thing with the, like the material world is a kind of density of agreement. And so it's just like all these layers just get pulled into this ultra dense thing. So the freedom to access them is more difficult, but they're, they're in some ways there's almost more there as yes. the way I would th- think of it. Yeah. I love that you said that. And that's part of the reason I disagree with the whole, there's only this many and there's only this many. Right. I think there's infinite numbers of them. What is a timeline though? The, the simplest way I explain it to people is when you get enough consciousness, thinking the same things, feeling the same things with this, having the same belief systems. And they're all sort of like gathering. They're creating this plane of reality or they're creating like this etheric highway in, mm-hmm. in that level of density where this is what happens on this timeline. And this is more of like, from a collective perspective, we also have personal timelines, but then our personal timelines are interdependent with the collective timelines. Mm -hmm. So you get enough people all kind of like, this is how it works here. You have a timeline. And then let's say you get people who notice, okay, this is a little bit of a higher level, but I have to bring this in. Go for it. When consciousness starts paying a lot of attention to something, you're almost always going to have um, forces that do not want us to know who we are and be in our power Mm -hmm. notice and be like, look at what everyone's paying attention to. Mm -hmm. This is a great place to come in and start like kind of hijacking and infiltrating all of this consciousness energy to use for what we want. And okay, people hear this and they're like, oh my God, what's happening? And it's like, it's been happening your whole life. Do you not not remember like watching your parents watch the news and be like, what's wrong with you guys? Or do, do you not remember growing up and being like, why does everyone think this way? Those were just like people stuck on timelines. Um, and they didn't even know they were stuck. And but that that sort of sequence of like consciousness pays attention to something, things come in, it, there's infiltration, that is happening from very gross to very subtle levels. And right. I'll go into more like up level was sort of like in service to the more subtle levels where there's infiltration, which is why it attracted a lot of people who are pretty skillful in the game of consciousness. Mm. Cause I was talking about infiltration or hooks that like most of the collective is not experiencing. It's a subset that was experiencing them. And that's who up level was for. Um, yeah. Where where do you want me to go from here? Well, let I me yeah, I, I'll, let me let me root you if I can for a second because mm-hmm. yeah. So I was thinking when you said like okay, so the personal is interdependent with the collective, right? And so there are two there are m- many ways to deal with this, but there are two ways to deal with it. And one I talked about this on the recent episode with this like paranormal scholar, but I was just saying like one way to deal with that, like they did in you know governmental research and all this kind of stuff, is like. Is, is black magic, essentially, dark arts, as you say, like where I decide to actually leave the agreement of the collective to gain personal power. But as I do that, I don't, I don't do anything to keep me in compassionate agreement with everybody else. So all I do is demonstrate my own ability to leave. And I don't give a fuck if anybody comes with me, I'm going to use the elemental kingdom, I'm going to use whatever I can to just sort of 
do it, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why people who can walk through walls, if you want to believe that or whatever, they're not nice people to be around, right? But then there's this Mm -hmm. other version. And I think this like part of up level and then part of when you look at spiritual masters or whatever, where they're like, okay, I'm going to stay within the agreement as much as possible so that when I do these things, sure, it might be a shock, but it's always to the purpose of service. It's always, and again, that's the, we might be doing things that look very similar, but one is absolutely redeemed, if we can use that word, redeemed, and one is not. One is actually driving deeper, you know, so so the people who do black magic are always reinforcing the inter- the um, the collective consciousness because they're like, I'm the exception. I can walk through a wall. You can't. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the wall is solid and I'm powerful, right? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, this makes perfect sense. I, since I was a young teenager and like really into magic and Wicca, I would always get visions of Aleister Crowley and Albert Einstein being from the same oversoul group. <laughs> and, but huh. cause they, they, they are perfect examples of what you just described where like, I always think about Einstein as a very like relatable example. He has quotes about what it felt like to sort of disconnect from what the collective thought in mm. order to find new thoughts and then how those new thoughts serve the expansion of the collective. Mm. And then like on the other side of the coin, Aleister Crowley, like, I'm just going to like, man, <laughs> <laughs> totally. but, like, b- but like both with that same connection to the higher mind mm. and to like how powerful we actually are. Right. Yeah, right. And then when, when you do that, either way, actually, that's where you meet the the beings or the consciousness that you were talking about, where it's like, okay, I've left the collective and now I'm starting to see these new layers and those layers and landscapes are populated by spiritual beings that, sure, they were acting before, but I didn't see them. And when I see them, it changes my relationship to them and therefore makes me more susceptible to whatever it is they're doing, but also allows me a different possibility with them at the same time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is, I'm also thinking of like Jesus or Yeshua, because this is just like what he dedicated his life to was like working with those beings outside of the collective and then bringing that back into the collective and planting those seeds, seeds that he knew. And this is another big one when you're like on these perimeters is having to become okay with, uh, most people aren't going to understand this until after I've died. Like this is, this is really far out and there will be people who like resonate and get it. And also this is like, there's such a huge part of the collective that doesn't even have the reality bandwidth to even Mm -hmm. see me hear this or make sense of it. Totally. And, and one of the reasons why they'll understand it when I die is because then when I die, what I am will become part of the constitutive forces of the collective in a way that it wasn't before because it was condensed in the address of me in this like physical form. And so then when I go back out, it will begin contributing to everybody else in a much more diffuse way if they allow it to. But then you have someone like Jesus who's like, well, he's probably the the best and worst example at the same time because it's so exceptional. <laughs> so it's like, you know, mm. for, for, as a historical event, so exceptional, his, mm-hmm. his presence, um, although I'm sure there are other events like that cosmically, but I just think like you have, 
you know, you, you have people that really become interwoven and really, really interwoven. And we, you can see it on the earth, just like our normal quote unquote level where it's like, okay, Sigmund Freud comes, he has these ideas and they just permeate everything while he's still alive. But now imagine that being in the constitutive forces of the cosmos and not just in the idea space. And you kind of get an idea of what happens when people die and suddenly they're appreciated, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and like your mom you know like you talked about your mom maybe we can talk about that for a minute because we talked about your mom like dying you know when you're young and then becoming this like you know loving loving presence but also capacity for you like presenting as capacity for you as a way as well yeah do do you want me to unpack that a little bit yeah 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 (laughs) that's not in the Uh, intro sorry (laughs) yeah yeah so um after she passed away it's funny too because I even though she passed when I was two I have one or two really interesting vivid lodged memories of being with her which Mm -hmm. I find fascinating because you shouldn't have conscious memories from under the age of two and I remember in those memories thinking wow her presence is so big and this is Mm. when she was still alive and I, I remember like I have this one memory where I was crying and I felt her coming from the other side of the house because her aura was taking up like the whole house So as soon as she started moving towards me from the other side of the house, I felt this like warm energy just start to like Mm. pour over me. And I, this is so cool. I've only talked to like a couple people about this. (laughs) And that to me is, it's so interesting that that stayed in there because Mm -hmm. after she passed, I instantly recognized her by the huge warm Mm. energy that would fill the space. Um, and I was like, oh, the, okay. And just from there, I've had countless experiences where something which I attribute to like her as a higher aspect, potentially working with more of her energy because she's not incarnated, yeah, coming in and like not um taking me over to the point where I go unconscious like people sometimes do when they channel where they just leave mm-hmm. I'm still there but I'm in like the back seat watching her drive mm-hmm. and it's always the whenever it happens it's a very very auspicious moment it's a very divine moment and it usually is like in service to a huge 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 shift in my life or the healing of someone else like mm-hmm. it was because of her that I actually got out of the very abusive situation I was in that was my like childhood. She is like the presence that came in and worked me and got me out of it Mm -hmm. when I was like 22. And I look back at that experience and I'm like, how did I do that? I, I did not have the bandwidth to like harness that much power. And it's, it's all the experiences I've had with her. I'm like, I did not have the bandwidth. And then I just, I, I can just feel like there is a vaster energy that is her and potentially other things she's collaborating with that just comes in and works with me. And over time, I've sort of been working to turn that into more of a braid versus a you come in and I go in the backseat and you right. just drive. 
Right. It's like yeah. we braid and we drive together. Yeah. Well, God, there's so much in there. I mean, I think, you know, <laughs> when, you know, first of all, like it's good to point out because the, the, you know, the big trap of channeling, you know, mediumship is when it pushes you out. Like that's mm -hmm. no bueno as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I, <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I don't, it's a no for me. I, <laughs> and, and for that reason I'm out. Um, but I think like, <laughs> but I think like, you know, may, there might be some people for whom that works. And I, and I always try, and I know you do too, to always like make the space, like actually some people are really, really, really called to do this one thing that's actually very difficult for other people to mediate. So I like that it's like, I'm with you, you know, like I, I hold you, I'm with you, you hold me, you're with me, you know, there's this sort of like, and so, so that first, but then also like the really there's this really profound thing that, you know, when people die, there's such an immediate presence of them for a while because they're going through their sort of not unraveling, but like new weaving mm -hmm. into, you know, and, um, and then eventually they reincarnate. So this is always someone's question, like, well, how can we talk to the dead if they reincarnate? But like, when you talk about that sort of changing form and that braiding, that's available to you in a sense too, because she's changed her form as well. So now she's probably born somewhere and, and yet what she's done to all the constituted forces retain her presence. So now you're able to sort of draw and pull in a different way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think <clears throat> that our understanding while we're in bodies of the, of what the soul is, is like very limited mm -hmm. because when I've done my experience of like actually getting to feel this has been through regression work where I feel the vastness of a soul that can move beyond time and space. Mm -hmm. And in that through regression work and through also getting like obsessed with reading about regressions, <laughs> you can have a soul who's incarnated into three different bodies is also working in the unseen and is also a spirit guide to three different people. Right. That, that yeah. can all be happening simultaneously. So it's, it, and it's funny too, because in my period of getting really obsessed with it, I would come across again and again, we don't have the capacity in our bodies to house 100% of our soul's energy. We would explode into a million pieces. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So most of us are actually only even housing, like some people, it's not even that much of their soul is, is there. Um, and that's why, well, this isn't why, but it's interesting that I gave that example earlier of like more of the soul can come in. Mm. Um, you have to have capacity for that. So we're all doing a lot more than we realize. <laughs> it's so fucking much. And <laughs> but but I mean that is actually that's a great thing. That's like a great jumping off point for a question, which is like, how much is too much? You know, like so like I said, you know, with the sort of like intense stuff that I just went through and then things just keep fucking coming up, right? Like there's no rest. And that's why, you know, I mean, that is part of like how we're meant to understand the St. John's type of year, but it's also that in conjunction with like the whole world is going through like the, the process of this festival and like all this kind of stuff. So it's like, 
and things just keep fucking like showing up. They keep showing mm-hmm. up. And sometimes I'm like, I can't, I can't take this. Like I cannot, I just can't deal with it, which I know isn't true. But I also, so there's a part of me that absolutely knows that that's not true, but I could think of a version of me, not that I want to hang out with them too long, but I could think of a version of me that didn't know that it wasn't true, you know, and that, um, you know, and so I think people, people sometimes wonder, I mean, with life in general, how how can it just be this much? Like, why can't things be normal? Why can't things calm down? Why can't I just have fun, whatever? And so I know a big part mm-hmm. of what you do is about fun, about enjoyment, all that kind of stuff. However, just to, before we go there, <laughs> like how much is too much if we're working on all these levels at once, you know, I mean, the, some people can endure it in their bodies. They just can't take it. So where do we find that line? Well, so a lot of people aren't in touch with how much they're doing. So, mm. so there are people who just like go to work and come home and are like, why am I so tired? And obviously I'm not even including what could be happening in their field on the physical plane. Or like when you wake up from sleeping and you're tired to me, that's like you were working in the astral all night and now you're getting off duty and now you're coming back on duty to being human. Um, (laughs) But I mean, I think if everyone were to know how much is going on really and how much we're all doing, it would blow a huge part of the collective out. It would be too much to handle. Mm. So I think like the people who do organically get in touch with like, oh, and this is happening. Oh, and this is happening are people who have the capacity and the awareness to hold that um, and still be good or not even good, but still be humans who are, I don't like the word good, but it's what's coming through. Still be good humans, you know, like, um, so there's that part. Then there's the part of like, kind of what you brought up earlier. And this has been my experience when you are committed to whatever you want to call it, your own liberation, to being clear, to being sovereign, to, to being in integrity with yourself, to being on path, on your mission, whatever. Um, it just feels like a lot of the clunkier stuff kind of clears out and you're mm-hmm. dealing with more so refinements and like subtleties. And this isn't to say that the clunkier stuff completely goes away. It's not like you hop into this reality where you're having fun all the time and everything's great all the time. It's actually now that you, you are much more skilled at interfacing with reality. Like it's not draining you in the same way it did two years ago to have this type of, to have an exchange. There's just a skillfulness that comes with it. And I always think of like martial arts they're doing so much, but with such great skill and intention and focus that it barely looks like they're doing anything, but they're yeah. still working with the same levels of energy that all of us are, you know? Yeah. Okay. So something I learned from you, which I mean, is just one of the more profound things that I've experienced in the past few years is like, Okay, so my principle now is ease. Like the principle, like the thing I need to do now is be in ease. And um, I was talking to my sister about it 
but my sister's coming up twice on this episode, but I was talking to my sister about it. And she, she was like, yeah, that's what the world needs now is everybody being eased because to come to bring the world forward, everybody needs to be doing what they actually need to be doing. So they need to be in ease. Right. And like a good example of this, I think is like, okay, when I, like, I have a novel coming out next year. When I work on my novel edits, you know, that I have like a deadline for with the publisher, it's like, it's work and I sense the deadline, but it's all within the current of ease. Like I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm just editing. It's just happening. It feels good. Like it's it's effort, right? So I've been trying to like look at most things in my life like that. And if it's like, if it's not ease, I'm like, you're fucking out. However, mm-hmm. then, however, <laughs> then these things will sometimes come in and there's no way for it to be ease. And you still know that you have to walk it. And that's, that can be really confusing, I think, because I do think that the principle of ease to deal with that clunky stuff and to treat paying the bills and um, doing, you know, whatever the fuck out, like watering the plant, well, like, like watering the plants, but like watering the plants, like whatever else, like just in and out, it's like a breathing, but then something will come in that will be a shock. And so I don't know, like, I, yeah, I guess I want to hear what you have to think about that because because I agree with the ease and then I also know the necessity of the 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 blunt or the, not blunt but the forcefulness, you know? Yeah. So I think that okay, how should I break this down? The <laughs> stuff, okay. Let me let me back up. There I know for me um, for a long time, I sort of had this unconscious deal. And I think we all are making deals with our higher aspects all the time. We're just not aware of it of like, I want to learn and expand and be more authentic and get all of my parts back through immense intensity. Like it must be intense it must knock me out of my day-to-day human life for at least four to five days. And I need to be like writhing on the floor every single time. This is the pillar's meanest subtweet to me in this episode. Yes. <laughs> good. So, so I spent a good like five years just in like huge bouts of like, unearthing and then like I said I I wouldn't be able to like be a human for a while and just like Mm -hmm. so much discomfort and in a lot of ways it was kind of like suffering um and I think that that was super important for me to experience Mm -hmm. for myriad reasons one of them being I got to a point I remember so well I was sitting in my car and I was like oh I have a fucking deal signed that this is how I learn. Mm. And I was like, okay, let's trash that. Cause I'm, I'm good. And let's bring in like a new contract of, I am still 100% available to learn all of my lessons to see mm. everything I need to see, like continue to give it to me, but I am no longer willing to be knocked out of my human life for three to four days. I am no longer willing to learn through like immense bouts of intensity and suffering. And I just kind of like wrote the new contract. Um, And that was the day everything changed that 
that was the day where all of a sudden I had more, I could like do my life. It's so funny. My business started right after that. Mm. Um, because I, it was so, it's so funny too. Anyway, um, that doesn't mean though, that from that point on, everything became easy. Mm -hmm. Um, I still come up against things that are uncomfortable. I still experience difficulty. There is still, um, I guess, I don't know if shock would be the right word, but I'm still meeting stuff all the time. Um, I'm just meeting it with like an awareness of, I have the capacity to work with this and I still get to enjoy my life. Mm -hmm. Um, Both can be happening simultaneously. And I also, okay. So like going back now that I've been out of the intensity thing for a while, there are some important key points I want to make. One is that was not just um, a contract that I sort of created by my own volition. That was also a byproduct of my childhood where my brain, body, nervous system was wired to feel that intensity meant normal. Mm -hmm. Like when Mm -hmm. I feel Mm -hmm. like things are really intense and kind of out of control, that's what home feels like. So we like that. So let's just recreate tons of situations that produce that (laughs) chemical cocktail in my body of like, oh, everything's intense. This makes sense to me. So. I see this all the time with people in these loops where I'm like, okay, let's tell me about your childhood. And it's like, you've actually been wired. You're, you're wired to experience that as normal. Mm -hmm. And this same person might have the opportunity to have like a very pleasant learning experience. And they're like, that seems really boring. Um, (laughs) As it does to the the body and the nerve, you know? So (laughs) I'm sorry. Okay. Keep going. No, that was, that was me. I, I, it's so funny too. Cause when I got out of this, um, I sort of got to circle back to a lot of things I had written off as boring. And I was like, this person isn't boring. They're just like really regulated in their nervous system and really clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they're like really embodied. And mm-hmm. to me, when I was like ricocheting up the intensity scale, I was like, that person is so boring. Um, so I got to kind of see like, wait a second, that, that was not a clear perception. Um, so there, there's that piece. And I think that's really, really important to speak to because I actually see this all the time because so many of us had childhoods that were really intense in the home. There was a lot of discord, a lot of instability, and like that did something to the nervous system and the body and the brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I mean, obviously like I'm connecting cause I'm cracking up. Um, I think like, you know, right. Like the method of development, the method of your development is a stage of development, right. Uh, like mm-hmm. of a certain level of you, right. Or a layer of you. And so then like, like, I'm just laughing cause I'm thinking about a time recently where I was waiting for somebody to call me and they didn't call at like at the time when they were supposed to call and I had like a panic attack. It was fucking bonkers. I was like, Oh, why, 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 why? And then this, this voice came up in me and was like, you could just love people and their limitations and accept that they're probably doing something right now. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> just 
shove that out, right? And I knew it was completely calm, but I couldn't hold on to the calm. Like the spiral, you know, like some, I, I think everybody, we could talk about, I realize it's a dualistic way of talking, but we can talk about the, um, oh, we could talk about the pillar is how I think of it. <laughs> we talk about the pillar where things are lined up. Um, we, but we all have this other aspect. Some people have like a runner. Some people have like a spiral, whatever shape you mm-hmm. want to give it. Mm-hmm. And like the spiral is like, no, I want to like turn and turn and turn and turn until like I'm totally turned into myself. Like, and there's no way out except retracing every single fucking step back to the top of the spiral. But that's so strong sometimes that even when you see the answer, like even when you know, when you're in that placid place and you're like, you know what? Like if I actually just forgave the person and like loved myself right now, it actually would all, this would all go away. But then like the spiral is magnetic and like suddenly I'm in it. So you made the decision once, right? It's like, I guess a lot happened probably before you made that contract. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Let me, let me give some context. So what we're talking about right now on like a physiological level is the nervous system, Mm -hmm. um, which you can think of as like our inner tuning fork that controls everything, like literally everything from like unconscious body movements to how we process information to all of our organs, to how we see the world, like everything. So When you have, like, for example, when you were talking about going into more of like that anxious state, that's the nervous system going into hyper arousal and it's having a reaction to something that is out of context. Mm -hmm. So like the reaction you were having to not getting the phone call didn't really match um, the context. Mm-hmm. That means like you, you can know, you can know when something like that is happening, your nervous system is having an experience that is like not in present time and is back probably in childhood where you were sort of wired to mm-hmm. have those reactions as either a, a defense mechanism, as a way to receive healthy attachment. Like the nervous system as children, our bodies are so intelligent they will sort of pick um, reactions that both keep us safe from the instability that's occurring and also seek to get us to continue receiving healthy attachment or some form of attachment from a caregiver. So that could be fight, flight, freeze, that, and then there's all these other ones that sort of stem right. off of those. And then we bring those into adulthood and then little things happen that are like, little triggers or charges that connect back to those original states. Mm -hmm. And the nervous system just goes back into what it knows how to do when it's starting to feel like we're not safe. So we're Mm going to go back into that state that always kept us safe. So this is actually such an important thing to be talking about more than ever right now, because what most of the world is experiencing at this time is a re-triggering of early childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. why everybody seems to be hyper aroused, hypo aroused, fight, flight, freeze. But when we're in these states, our higher mind and this whole back part of the brain actually goes offline. So there's no ability to heal. There's no ability to take in new information. You're just working with like the primal aspects of the brain and the body. So in those moments, before we bring in any new perspectives or let me think about what's really going on here, 
the body and the nervous system have to be brought into some form of safety and regulation. Mm -hmm. So going back to my story, when I recognized that that contract needed to end, I had been engaged in like various forms of healing work with a focus on the nervous system kind of on and off. And I was super aware, like I have a really dysregulated nervous system, Mm -hmm. um, wired to, to like want intensity. Um, and because I had such a huge focus on like and still do on bringing that into balance. I all of a sudden had the capacity from that higher mind place of the brain to be like, wait a second, it doesn't have to be this way, Mm. but you're right. That sure. Maybe sometimes there are those like beautiful divine spark moments where it's just handed to you. And there's been like nothing to really get you there, but I definitely had like stepping stones that were leading me to that place of understanding. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of the nervous, like, I'm sure a lot of like, yeah, nerves, essentially, a- until then, that felt completely unpleasant. And like, how the fuck do I get out of this until you were like, okay, I'm now I am, you know, so yeah. but it's, it's, it's hopeful. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, the intensity the intensity means normal. I'm thinking also about the thing, you know, Byron Katie says this thing where she's like, you know, she's, you know, she's like so calm. She's like, sweetheart, you can do it one of two ways, kicking and screaming or with grace, you know? And it's just like, it's, it's that it's like, it's going to happen no matter what. And so do you want to claim the lesson? Um, I want to, I want to make sure we give a little bit of time um, talking about, ways of dealing with things spiritually that have hooks and traps and infiltrations, as you say, Mm -hmm. in them and that sort of thing. And the reason why I want to is because I know a lot of my audience is like into that kind of stuff. And I'm, and I, I encourage it in the levels where it's like, there's real freedom there, you know, but there's, there's Mm -hmm. ways in which there's not. Um, And I think actually we're, we're also in this time and to bring it back to the certainty, uncertainty thing, like we're in the time where, like things people are really like searching for a sense of like deep, deep, deep certainty about things. And they'll align themselves with things that look like certainty, even though they're clearly not. Um, Like Mm -hmm. I talked really early in the year about like I did a solo episode about this, how, you know, the, 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 whatever else is happening in like pandemic world, like one of the things that's happening is this epidemic or pandemic of certainty that's becoming an object that's poisoning people. And, and that's on all sides. And like, what would it take to actually bleed and be open with each other and ingest the truth of not knowingness with each other um, and accept like an ethical and loving relationship with each other, rather than trying to bring people into your communities of certainty. Um, And (laughs) so, I mean, I think like so many of the spiritual pathways through this past year and a half or whatever have been pathways that have been marked with the infiltration or whatever of, of certainty of this like object of this ossified or poisonous object of certainty. And it's been sad. Like it's been hard to see so many people get really pulled into that when it's like, you don't have to know the fact because actually the fact is leading you away from the truth before anybody takes any idea of what I'm saying here. I'm not talking about scientific fact. I'm talking about any facts drawing us away from the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which is a different thing. The truth and the fact is not the same thing in our moment exactly. So plant medicine, which is a misnomer, um, uh, magic, um, certain forms of ritual, even certain forms of like ancestral healing, um, all these kinds of things, people often think, well, that's really old, so it must be good. And you rightly point out, you're like, yeah, it's old. That means it's been infiltrated and hijacked many, many times, like mm-hmm. <laughs> over time. So mm-hmm. careful. So mm-hmm. I just said a lot. I'll just step back and give you some time with that. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> what's the question? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't really a question. It was just teeing you up to talk about it. Okay. Um, so, so at one point I heard you say, how do people, how, how would people, how are people supposed to navigate like all of these potential traps and whatnot? Yeah. Um, so, and yeah, and I'll, I'll sort of like speak to the stuff you said at the end too, somewhere along the way. Um, You're not the only one that speaks in circles. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's actually like, um, I forget what it's called. I heard, what's it, what did she call it? It's like by something speaking. There's this elder I know. Um, every time before she speaks, she just lets everyone know in, in my tradition, we talk in circles. Mm. Um, and that's actually like how we're trained to, to relay information. And she has like this fancy word for it. And ever since I heard that, I was like, me too. I do that too. (laughs) Although it takes you quite a while to get back to the, the yes, me as well. (laughs) Um, okay. So my answer is like not sexy because like, the work right now is really not sexy. Um, <laughs> a lot of people, and we're, we're programmed to do this. They do, um, it's kind of like outside in where it's like, let me find all these things um, that mm. I think will bring me to certainty or truth. And they kind of just get on this like tireless search. It's like the seeking loop or what's the next thing I can do? What's the next thing that can fill this like void of not knowing in me? Um, When what I found is like the deepest work is done with you and you. Um, Sure, there might be modalities involved. Sure, there might be allies and people that show up to support you in that. But what I've seen time and time again, especially in my work with clients, is that when you start to really get free inside of yourself, a lot of the things you thought you should be doing just kind of drop away. You're like, oh, I don't even want to do that anymore. Or like, I don't really need that in the same way. And like a really great example of this, just based on what you're saying is, okay, if the person we're talking about is on a tireless search for certainty, then a really great self-inquiry would be like, where did, when and where did you learn that you needed certainty to feel safe? Mm-hmm. Um, where does this come from? Like, how does this feel in your body? What, what are the origins of this? Like, what were you programmed into reaching for to feel certain? When did you start to learn that certainty comes from like something external versus just a really deep connection to self and through that, a really deep connection to the fact that we are living in the great mystery mm-hmm. and no matter how many ancient traditions we study or teachers we sit with or books we read or ayahuasca we do, we're never really going to know. And that's actually part of that's freedom to me. Like that, right. 
That's mm-hmm. like the ultimate freedom is, is just falling into the arms of the mystery. And one of my favorite astrologers always ends his podcasts with, we don't know enough to worry. And I mm-hmm. love that mm-hmm. um, because love we that. don't. Yeah. And so that to me is like a core piece of this. I think from like, when you are engaged with that type of self-inquiry, um, to me, this is almost inevitable, but I'll say it too. Like you start to learn that who you are and what you're in collaboration with is so much bigger than just your I personality self. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's also like a really important thing to be talking about right now, because there's never been a better time to be connecting with the earth, to be connecting with our team, to be connecting with everything that's supporting us that is not as finite as this body and the I personality. And like, those are the places where we can receive like more certainty and validation and healing than I think anything that seems real in the hologram. Um, And again, this isn't like sexy mind work. This is like sitting outside and just being like, okay, I'm going to like, just allow myself to feel really uncomfortable with not knowing and see what that brings up and see what that feels like in my body and not try and escape it when I'm, when I'm in that place. Um, so that's what I have to say to that. <laughs> I just, and so much of inner liberation to me, it's people will also get hooked into this work. It's like the personal development matrix where it's like, I need to be my best matrix self. And like, I need to, and it's like, it's, it's actually not that either. It's like, there's the true self or like the vastness of who we are that is eternal. And then there's this false self that we all pick up. So when we're doing like inner liberation work, we're working with all these false things that aren't really us. So there's kind of like this comfort in that of like, They're the things we're releasing and the things we're processing. That's never who we actually were. Um, And the more you kind of like strip those away and strip those down, the more you get those like drinks and tastes of who you actually are and what you're actually capable of. And to me, that's like nectar to come back and meet the false self and be like, okay, I'm willing to see you. Um, yeah. Do you have any questions about that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's really, it's, it's just really beautifully said. I mean, the, the sort of occult view of evolution, I'm going to be so simple about it, but like evolution of human being is like, we, we you know, we start in this, like where the human being has always existed and like what the animals are and the plants and everything around is like actually a cast off aspect that the human being internalized as it grew. And they just kept getting thrown off and thrown off and thrown off. So like when you see a a parrot or when you see a dog or a tree or whatever, you're looking at something that was part of you and unfurled as a aspect of your development. So I'm sort of hearing that as you're talking to this, like growth where things get sort of cast off and put in the world in front of you for you to see them and reflect on what you are and what you will become and what you were. And so sitting on the ground and being open is already an experience of encountering your evolutionary process and the evolutionary process as well. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and the thing I would add to is like, just to add to the sitting on the ground piece, um, so much of what frees us is 
efficiently and effectively being put right in front of our face on a daily basis. <laughs> so it's, and, and I always have to bring this up because it's like, I'm not advocating for you sitting at home all day and just doing shadow work and never leaving the house. <laughs> I'm like advocating for you interfacing with yourself and reality exactly as they are, because that's the teacher and all mm. like everyone that shows up, everything that shows up is going to light up something. And I think that like, now more than ever, sure, we can have our spiritual practice, we can have our internal practices that we do, but those are just like resourcing and like pulling up a lot of energy and like revving the engine mm -hmm. so that when we do go out and like you said earlier, maybe something hits your hologram where you're like, whoa, you have like a force where you're like, I can meet this. Mm -hmm. I can meet mm -hmm. this. I have the energy. I have the space. Um, and I mean, for me, and I don't know if this is like, helpful to say but for me it's just at the point where even though I still go through pretty gnarly stuff like a couple weeks ago I wouldn't be surprised if it was the same week you had the really rough week I unearthed like a very dense layer of unfelt rage and grief <laughs> and so I'm like angry and I'm sobbing and then I'm like this is so great like yeah, like, yeah. and because I'm also I'm like feeling like this is amazing that this is coming up. Like, this is really good to me. And I'm really happy that I'm <sighs> finally ready to see this and process this. And that's what I'm talking about of like, that juice probably comes from like all the times I have really just cultivated that energy within myself and come to really be connected to myself to where when something does come up, I'm like, okay, this is right. good. Right. It, it's, it doesn't feel good the whole time. But ultimately, to me, it's like, this is a gift. <laughs> I mean, that, that that's it. It's like, I mean, that that week, I mean, it's just like you described. I did have moments like that where it was like, mm -hmm. okay, so there was me, you know, on the floor crying and like freaking the fuck out. And then there was like the me on the next level, like throwing a rope down. It would have been nice if it were stairs or a ladder, like and not a fucking rope because that's hard to climb. But I was, I was like, that was like okay, but this is, this is like you for the first time accepting this principle of freedom, which was what I was going through. Like, this is you for yeah. the first time going through it. And so it was like, okay, I see you up there. Fuck you. Like, come down and save me. And I was <laughs> mad. Like, I was so angry at the spiritual world. And that, but also mm. it was like, yeah, but you know, you know. Mm -hmm. And the most painful parts of that time was when I, really wanted to just reject every spiritual thing that I knew. I wanted to be like, it's all fake. In fact, I had this mm -hmm. like moment where I was like, there's no connection between the living and the dead. It's all bullshit. Like I'd walk around like saying that. And I was like, mm -hmm. you know that that's not true. And the more I said it, the more painful it became. And I was like, okay, you're just like, you know, you're driving yourself deeper into it. And you're just mm -hmm. trying to punish the, the dude up there with the ladder who, by the way, or with the rope, who, by the way, is like, hotter than you and don't you want to be in you know so like just get up there <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> but like <laughs> but like I <laughs> but I also want to say like it's so fucking yes from like bottom of like the charts to the top like I like something as simple as I 43, I fucking hated dancing my whole life. At like what a what a what an asshole, first of all. I've hated dancing my whole life. Who says that? I've never liked it. And then like a few, like two months ago, I saw some like hot dude dancing on Instagram. And I was like, 
you know what? Maybe I don't hate dancing. So I put on headphones and I danced around, right? Then like Aww. come and do up level. And I loved it. Then I come and do the up level course that you offer. And you're like, and and you're like, yeah, like the, the battle between good and evil, like we're going to move past that. And I was like, oh, so like from the, <laughs> the dancing to leaving behind the battle between good and evil. I was like, those are the same, th- those are yes. echoes, like those completely yep. fractal, you know, mm-hmm. and they're, they're part of this whole lesson. And like, how much of it do I want to let in? Well, you know, and so, and so I've been trying and trying and, and that, that was really helpful. And so, you know, one of the things I keep saying to people this year again and again is like, what if all the bad things are going away? Like, what mm-hmm. if all the bad things are going away? Now, I realize there's a dualistic part of that sentence and maybe I could refine it, but it just meets people, a lot of people where they're at, where it's just like, oh, wait, what? No, things are getting worse. Wait, huh? You know, mm-hmm. and so it's just a dislodging uh, and a replacement with a possibility, you know, and that's what you've that's what you've done for so many people that I, I like, and I know that because you've done it for me. Yeah. Wow. You and the Thank hot dude you. on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagined you like, like dancing into the timeline where the battle between good and evil has ended. And you're like, <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a great image. I'm going to imagine myself in that too. Yeah. Yeah. That it's, that sentiment is like one of those things where I was like, okay, a lot of people are not going to get this like at all, but it's, it's what I was shown and what I've been shown so many times. And to make it really simple, good versus evil is still just a level of reality. Mm -hmm. That's, that a lot of people are very, very connected to um, and have only ever known that. Um, And when you're not playing that game, that doesn't mean that bad things cease to happen Mm -hmm. or like you still aren't witnessing a lot of distortion, Um, but you're not in a war against it. And this is like a super important distinction because so if we're talking about like infiltration, so many people's life force energy right now is really tied up in being against things Mm -hmm. and through that matching energy with them and becoming just like the thing they're against and just creating recreating division division we see this throughout history we just see these like recreation of timelines where it's like these two things were against each other this side won then these two things were against each other (laughs) and it just keeps going and going and going so obviously like this carries a lot of weight in both like our consciousness and like our bodies and just the collective's history but Mm -hmm. What I'm I'm hoping and part of like a lot of what I've been talking about and a lot of what I've been like channeling and it's just coming through over and over and over and over again. It's like trying to support people and just share the message of like when you are so insidiously against something, you do not have the life force energy to actually be creating the new thing. And that creating the new thing doesn't mean disassociating from the distortion and what's going on. It means you can like, when you pull your energy out of always being against, sure, it's like you're watching a screen. You can see it. You can say, this is wrong. Like, I don't agree with this. But because you're not like, 
doing that like enmeshment game of like, this is wrong and it's triggering all my childhood wounds. And now I'm going to like put all my energy into destroying this thing. Like when you're not in that sort of like template, you're like, this is wrong. How do I want to work with creation to create like something that can sort of like uh, drain this from occurring? Or how do I want to work with creation to create a bridge from this to the new thing? Mm. Or how do I want to work with creation to start funneling energy into something? Like the way I sort of look at it is like, if you have the thing that's like extremely distorted, okay, so that thing is going to have to break down. But what if that thing breaks down and nothing new has been created? What will happen? This thing will probably just recreate itself. Right, right, so this right. is why I see us all as like we all have different kind of roles right now where there's people on the inside who are helping like drain it and like break it down. There's people building bridges and then there's people creating the new things for people to start to assimilate into as this thing starts to lose mm. energy. And now I'm talking about like what could take thousands and thousands of years. Um, like we're this, a day, this, we're a day, <laughs> right? But like, it when you look at density, it's like okay, this stuff kind of like there, yeah. there's a there's a bit of like a curve there. Um, but when I say it doesn't have to be good versus evil, and that's like just one level of the game, and in my my belief is that will in a way cease to exist. That's sort of giving people the opportunity to see like, is it worth it to be? insidiously against something like what is that actually doing for you and for the world you want to see yeah yeah i mean you you i mean you use the term once it's like a transfer cycle and i love that term so much like we're just passing back and forth like the thing that we say you know we're against or like that we, you know like here you go you hold it now or, or now i have it now you have it now i have it and it's that one of the reasons why i named this show like years ago when i started against everyone with connor b was because it was like i'm against shit but actually the better version of me is against like pressed up against and embraced like with people so there's like the other mm-hmm. level of against that's a holding you know that i'm mm-hmm. i'm with i'm with you in it you know and it's so it's so profound this like good and evil thing that you say because like I moved here. Um, I mean, I'm, I don't talk about this publicly a lot, but like one of the reasons why I moved here was to do stuff with the like beans, like the elemental uh-huh. beans in Ireland. And yeah. And, um, and I know that um, like, I had this image of like the forces, like the intense forces of what could some people could call evil, like coming in and fucking shit up in the world. But when I, when I, tried to pull out or when I, you know, I've, I've done a lot of work with it after I've heard you talk about it, of like, oh, it's not good and evil anymore. It gave me a different picture of how to deal with what I considered a problem of how the sort of elemental kingdom is being affected by what we call evil that never would have been available to me before if I would have seen it as a battle, but actually instead seen as a co-creation. And then I was like, oh, okay. And even the pictures that came to me were so intense and so immediate. And I was like, all right, now I actually know 
I have to assist both sides of this, what I'm calling sides. I have to assist them. And the only reason why I think one is good and one is evil is because I have to assist them in different ways. So it's not that I'm fighting against one and saving the other. I'm actually just assisting in different ways. And it's the distinction that once made me think there were enemies, but it's not enemies. It's just distinction and gesture. Yes. I, that is like, this is like um, something that I think all of the like ancients knew and that shamans know and, and well, I don't want to say all shamans, but that shamanism as a, as a like system knows and animism knows. And I always think of like, I've heard so many stories um, that friends have told me, like specifically friends who have gone through really, really intense initiations, whether it's like weeks of fasting in a cave or like sun dancing for an indigenous tribe. And I hear these same stories of like, yeah, there was a a demon and I kind of just sat with it and was like, hey, buddy, what's up? (laughs) Exactly. the demon all of a sudden was like, oh, like, like, oh, you're not, you're not trying to fight me. And I've I've heard the same story in a ton of different ways where like the demon um, transforms or the demon turns into something else. And I think that um, though I do believe that there are, um, artificial kind of there's a lot of artificial energy out there that's working for like the team that would need a different sort of type of care in this setting um I also think that a lot of the darkness in quotes that people are against or are so afraid of is just by our own creation and is also just like ask it's just to me that's like such a mirror of like look at how much of ourselves we shut off and are against and push away and suppress and don't want to invite in of course that's everywhere outside of us and the way I've explained this for a long time like I remember when I was a teenager like getting this download and trying to tell everyone but like it totally not getting through of like the war we're all talking about is inside of us like that that's where the actual war is. Cause when you move your consciousness out of being at war with, like you were saying, all of a sudden you can relate to like external forces or the forces that be in a completely different way. And it's not like I'm love and lighting everything. I'm not bypassing, but you like the most powerful people are the ones that have the capacity to like hold space for that thing that appears as dark and give it the container to potentially transform. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right, Pilar, uh, listen, <laughs> there's so much more to explore. <laughs> come, come back on. Let's talk more. Okay. Yeah. And like, yeah. um, and I love talking with you and thanks for, um, thanks for being there for me. Even if you didn't know that you were, um, I've been hanging out with you for a while and it's been great. And so now it's great to hang out with you in this way as well. And, thank um, you. yeah. And uh, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Yay. Thank you. Bye.